from Manhattan Associates, this is Nucleus of Innovation, the retail and supply chain podcast where we tackle some of the most important topics in the industry and learn how leaders are managing their supply chain challenges every day. I'm your host, Chris Shaw. I'd like to give a quick reminder to all our listeners that we're adjusting our podcast a bit for the next few weeks as we focus on the impacts and the outcomes of COVID-19 and what that will mean for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers in both the near and long term. So you'll be getting a short form of our podcast, but the plan is to do a whole lot more of them for you. I want to apologize today in advance for any audio discrepancies. All of us on the podcast here are quarantined at home, just like you. Today, we are discussing the impact to transportation networks from the global coronavirus pandemic. First, I'd like to introduce Greg Lanyard, our Senior Transportation Solutions Leader here at Manhattan Associates. Glad you could join us, Greg. Thanks for having me, Chris. And our special guest on today's episode, Adrian Gonzalez, Lead Analyst and Founder of Adelante Supply Chain Management, with more than 20 years of research experience in transportation management and supply chain initiatives. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you for having me. Adrian, we've seen some pretty dramatic changes in the matter of just a few weeks when it comes to the transportation landscape. As consumers go all in on online purchasing, pickup, and home delivery, how are the changes to what we buy and the way we buy manifesting themselves for retail and distribution organizations right now? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly seeing a uh, dramatic change in supply chain and transportation networks and the impact that COVID-19 is having, you know, across the board. I mean, I think one way to look at it, it's um, it's really two extremes, right? It's it's either feast or famine. You have all these retail stores that are closed right now. So all of the distribution channels that normally would supply these stores are, are effectively shut down as well. But at the other extreme, you, you know, you've got companies like, you know, Amazon and Walmart that are hiring, you know, over 100,000 empl- new employees each to keep up with the surging demand for online orders and grocery items, you know, so, so that's kind of illustrative of kind of this, this, this two extreme, you know, standpoint. And what, what's happening is because you have, you know, a surging demand on one hand and you've got effectively shut down on the other hand, it's really um, disrupting, you know, these, these synchronized processes that, um, uh, that have existed you know, uh, during normal times, if you will. So for example, when you're looking at trucking, um, you know, you have a lot of trucking demand, especially in CPG going into markets, but in a lot of cases you have little, no demand leaving those markets. So you're seeing some empty miles as drivers then try to find, um, you know, uh, another load to pick up out of a market. Um, we're also seeing increased wait times, um, you know, to, to unload, particularly at, at, you know, at grocery stores and, and the like. So I think the bottom line here is that, you know, obviously we're seeing a, a huge demand for uh, online ordering and home delivery, you know, as people are sheltering at home and, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, not head out into grocery stores and so forth. But, uh, but, but that's having a ripple effect ac- across all industries because it's really disrupting, you know, the, these fine-tuned transportation networks that were uh, have been put in place for, for years um, in light of what's happening there in the, in the market today. So just to elaborate a little more with what you just said, I think in particular, some of the essential industries, and let's just take grocery, for instance, 
that perhaps haven't been as aggressive when it comes to alternative fulfillment or online shopping and those types of things are really starting to see the impact of that now. But they also have a history of just-in-time inventory management. The idea that instead of keeping months of supply or even weeks of supply, they may be to days and, and, and into weeks. And as you mentioned, in order for that to work, that supply chain has to continue moving constantly uh, to keep that pipeline fulfilled. And in particular, we're starting to see now the impact on last mile. So as you go in to order your groceries, you see the pop-up that says, hey, we'd love to deliver your groceries. We can do it in four days from now, three days from now, five days from now, because the time slots of the backlog and those types of things. So it really does seem to be rippling all the way through. Do you think long-term there'll be any changes to that strategy around just-in-time inventory? Or once this thing resets, do you think it'll it'll kind of synchronize and we'll go back to that just really from a profit standpoint? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, you, know, you know, to be honest, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think certainly some of, of what we're seeing right now, um, I think one of the lessons learned is that we'll learn a lot about the psychology of <laughs> of the consumer when these types of things happen, right? Because I, I don't think anyone would have predicted that if a, a virus of this type uh, were hit, that it would cause a, a huge demand for toilet paper, for example, right? Which is what everybody's been talking about. But I think that I think it partly depends on, and this is where technology comes in. I think partly depends on how confident a company feels their supply chain visibility is, right, and how timely, how accurate it is for one, and then number two, uh, how confident they feel that they have the processes and the systems in place and the business models and networks and so forth to quickly respond to any changes in the market. So I think companies that that have um, you know, great supply chain visibility, timely, accurate, complete, um, and that have, you know, very flexible and responsive network set up, I think, you know, they will probably still be able to go continue with a more of a just-in-time model. But those companies that realize from this pandemic that, you know, they really don't have good visibility, they really don't have the good systems in place to react quickly or to understand what's happening in the market or and so forth, I think those are the ones that are probably might take a step back. So Greg, building a little bit on what Adrian just said about reacting, I've heard you mention recently that the industry is still in a reactionary phase of adjusting to this pandemic when it comes to transportation management. Can you explain some of the things that are causing that? Yeah, sure, Chris. You know, but just to put that in context, right, you know, logistics and supply chain stakeholders are reacting and responding in really incredible ways, right? Uh, these are never before seen circumstances in the industry. So you have to understand that transportation management professionals spend their days analyzing and optimizing both the supply and the replenishment network that Adrian just kind of hit on. So product, you know, needs to get in the hands of the customer. Uh, the, the result of the work that these guys are doing is, you know, finding a balance of cost and service standards that consider business constraints like customer demand, transit times, resource availability, uh, facility operating hours, throughput, and of course, overall expense to, to move product. Uh, right now, we have this you know, simultaneous set of disruptions that are happening that have thrown any balance that we knew completely out the window. So you have panic buying, you know, creating stockouts, again, like Adrian mentioned, uh, due to that unexpected grocery demand. You have people 
eating in more, you know, due to restaurant closures that are adding to that demand. You have people working from home, which is even changing the times, you know, people go shopping to the grocery stores, all of these things impacting what's on the shelves and when. Uh, you know, with with increased safety measures in place, along with the social distancing requirements that we're seeing, again, Adrian mentioned dwell time at, at pickup and drop off locations. It, it's altering normal route planning and delivery schedules that companies are familiar with. And of course, due to all the non-essential closures that we've seen, you know, we've lost volume and the network effect of moving freight you know, across the country in multiple directions. And that imbalance has had an inverse effect on capacity availability and carrier costs. But on the opposite side, you know, fuel costs are at unexpected lows. Traffic, you know, especially in and around major cities has been nearly eliminated due to stay-at-home orders. So we're also seeing states, you know, remove restrictions on equipment sizes and weight limits for essential goods. So, you know, good or bad, all of these things, you know, are requiring companies to adapt and react to all of the change, you know, that, that's allowing us to keep transportation uh, goods moving and certainly transportation folks very, very busy. Greg, since you coordinate an industry council fairly regularly focused on transportation management, are there some examples of how some of them are actually adjusting to COVID-19 you could share with us today? Sure, Chris. So, you know, the, the success stories I'm hearing are, are really uplifting. And, uh, you know, despite the crisis that we are dealing with, I think it's always good and important to highlight what's happening behind the scenes to ensure that our lives as we know it, you know, can can all go on with some state of normalcy, right? So, you know, if you think about grocery retail, you know, they're certainly being impacted the most uh, when you think about the logistics side of things. Uh, more trucks, more shipments have been needed. Uh, out on the roads to replenish stores. Uh, you've got home delivery and curbside pickup, which have required employees to shift roles and, and do more of things that they're not used to doing. Uh, you've got delivery schedules and stocking routines that are truly in an emergency mode to keep things on those shelves. Yet, you know, despite all of those challenges, you know, aside from a few specific SKUs like toilet paper that was mentioned, you know, I think our store shelves have been stocked sufficiently. Uh, if you look at whole, uh, excuse me, wholesale food distribution, uh, that's another industry that's had to adapt. Uh, you know, with restaurant closures, orders are being canceled, and, and volume is down for these companies that are, are moving that type of freight. Uh, so several of these companies have shifted focus to where the food is needed, and where's that? That's the grocery stores. Uh, so there have been several companies that have, you know, been working together to shift uh, and share workforces as well as, you know, sharing private fleet vehicles to help with that distribution. So, you know, the collaboration that we're seeing to get the job done for all of us has is, is been phenomenal. And then, you know, probably lastly, in, in the interest of safety, you know, shippers across all the industries that we support uh, are looking to minimize that person-to-person -person contact. Uh, you know, there are documentation requirements and there's handoffs that happen all across the supply chain on all shipments that move across the country, uh, you know, things that deal with the bills of ladings and proof of delivery signatures, right? These are all being altered with no touch processes to ensure both the safety of drivers as well as the safety of shipping and receiving personnel. Yeah, I think if we look forward, uh, based on everything you guys are saying here from, um, you know, the fact that we're living right now in this, in this sort of the heart of the crisis, 
But even as we look forward for other disruptions that will come in the future, the ability to adapt, the ability to have agile processes, the ability to respond quickly to changes are going to be really important in transportation systems for organizations going forward. Adrian, I recently read an opinion that stated that the reason the coronavirus was having such an intense effect on the shipping industry was due to the relationship with China, because China has been such a driver of the shipping industry in the past decade or two. Do you feel this pandemic might cause organizations to begin rethinking their supply chain strategies for moving goods between sourcing and selling, or even where they source goods to begin with? Will manufacturing be more spread out? Yeah, another good question. Um, I think overall, yes, at a high level. I think this pandemic will cause companies to reevaluate their supply chains in light of whatever reality we'll find ourselves in when we come out of this crisis. I think what's clear, um, and I think everybody recognizes this, is that the world after COVID-19, and whether that's a few months from now or a year from now, or, you know, I think that's still to be determined, but that world, you know, after COVID-19, we get through this crisis, will be very different than the world before uh, COVID-19. I think there are going to be cases where you're going to have suppliers, customers, and, and other trading partners that perhaps will not survive this crisis. But on the flip side, I think you might have uh, new opportunities that emerge for partnerships or business models that are better aligned with, you know, whatever these new market requirements and and customer expectations, you know, might be just like, you know, Greg just talked about some of the collaboration that's taking place. Uh, So so I firmly believe that, um, you know, we'll see some new opportunities emerge out of this as well. I mean, that book, the book is still being written in terms of what the lessons are going to be and what the lessons learned are. But I think the biggest mistake a company can do right now is assume that everything will be back to the way it was at the end of 2019. And they're not really already thinking and failing to prepare, uh, you know, for, um, you know, a still developing new normal, you know, down the road. Um, with regards to China, I, th- I don't believe there's going to be a wholesale move away from China. I mean, I think that's something that's easier said than done for, for a variety of reasons. But I think in certain industries, uh, especially medical supplies and pharmaceuticals, um, in light of you know the challenges that we we're experiencing right now in, in procuring personal protection equipment and other things, you know, I believe we'll probably see more diversification in where those goods are manufactured and sourced from, including increasing supply, strategic supply here and capacity here in, in the United States. Um, you know, the, the reality is that companies have been moving away or expanding beyond China for, for several years, sourcing from Vietnam, for example, or countries in this Eastern Europe, and, and, and of course, Mexico. Um, so, so I think companies will continue to, to move in, in that direction, but, but it won't, you know, it, it won't happen overnight. I think one thing you said there was pretty poignant, which is we just don't know here as we record this on April 10th. We don't know what it's going to look like a month from now, six months now, and a year from now. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode, but I want to thank you both sincerely for taking the time to join us today. Great. Thank you for having me. Yep. Thanks, Chris. 